for care during a serious illness or after being diagnosed with a life-limiting condition can be very challenging. Many choose hospice or palliative care services to support pain management and to alleviate discomfort. Hello listeners, I'm Cheryl Musial and welcome to My Care Advisors. There are some important differences between palliative care and hospice care. In this episode, what are palliative care services versus hospice care services? We are joined by hospice and palliative care expert, Jackie Leverino. Well, welcome, Jackie. It's such an honor and a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you, Cheryl. I am so happy to be here. Jackie, I understand there's many differences between palliative care and hospice care. Can you please explain a few of those? Absolutely. So palliative care means comfort. That's what the word means. And truly what it does, it improves the the quality of life for seriously ill patients and their families. Palliative care focuses on the relief of side effects, symptoms, emotional stress, and other difficulties associated with serious illness. It typically has a prognosis of six months to two years, and sometimes patients are actually getting treatment during this time. Palliative care is typically a softer discharge plan, especially from the hospital, um, over than hospice care. Some patients might be appropriate for hospice, but they choose palliative care, and that's their right to do so. Hospice, on the other hand, has a prognosis of six months or less, and it focuses on the quality of life for people experiencing an advanced life-limiting illness, and it is also for their caregivers or family members. Oh, Jackie, thank you for sharing those differences because I really understand that for many, this can be so confusing. No, it definitely. Yeah. So Jackie, can you please share with our listeners, what are the few of the typical services that are provided to those who are receiving hospice care? Absolutely. And when I meet with families, I always talk about that circle of care approach. I think that's so important because You've got the families and the patients in the center, and then the hospice team is around them, providing the services as much as they need, or maybe sometimes the families want to be left alone, and that's okay as well. So you have the physician, the MD. Typically, most families think that they have to give up their primary physician, and in hospice, you don't. If the physician chooses to stay on as the attending physician, they can do so. If they don't want that physician to follow, then it reverts to the hospice physician, which is the team physician. And it's great because through COVID, we've seen that now physicians can do a lot of virtual visits and they're available a lot faster and easier than previous to COVID. Then you've got the RN case manager. That nurse really oversees what we call the plan of care that's customized for that patient. Under the the actual case manager, you've got LVNs or LPNs, certified home health aides, which typically it depends on the care plan, could come out two to three times a week. They they provide such essential care like bathing and grooming and making sure that the patient is kept clean. The MSW, the master's level social worker, bereavement, which really encompasses pre-bereavement. And obviously after the patient passes away, typically up to 13 months, but I've seen that extended longer because we all grieve differently. The chaplain, that spiritual counselor, and really, again, that's all customized based on where the patient is at the time of the admission. Oh, that's very important to know. And also just have another question. 
regarding hospice care, you mentioned wherever that patient is located, where can hospice care be delivered? That's the wonderful thing. It's wherever the patient calls home, right? So it could be absolutely in their home. It could be in an assisted living. We call them board and cares, which are small six bed communities. They're called residential care facilities for the elderly. Some other parts of the country, they call them personal care homes. But the assisted living is a big, we've, we've had a lot of residents that are in assisted living that can receive hospice care, as well as skilled nursing facilities. We have a lot of seniors that are in skilled nursing as well, and we can provide hospice there. Oh, fantastic. It's, it's great to know that wherever that patient is, that they can receive hospice care if it's needed. Correct. Yeah. So let's move over to palliative care. Can you please explain the services that are provided to one who is receiving palliative care? Yes. And a little bit different, I'll just preface that with hospice care, there is a that care plan and you're seeing your team weekly. Sometimes within the first seven days, you might be actually seeing someone every day. A little bit different with palliative care. It's more intermittent, intermittent care, meaning that it's they're managing symptoms, they're coordinating care, providing psychosocial support. And so the team for palliative care is, again, the physician, a nurse practitioner, and a social worker. So they're addressing the clinical needs and the psychosocial needs. The whole goal, again, is to avoid that rehospitalization into the going back to the hospital for obvious reasons. But again, it's managing those symptoms at home, which is what most patients want. They don't want to go into the hospital. And so with palliative care, the whole goal, again, is, is, is not having that weekly schedule. It's based on need. So typically, many times they'll call and it might be a few days before they can get somebody out, depending on the agency. But the whole goal is really to, to manage those symptoms. Oh, so really, it sounds like a lot of that comfort care. And just as you mentioned, symptom management to make somebody feel more comfortable. Right. And I know it sounds confusing because we say that the same thing, obviously, on the other spectrum that hospice provides. But keep in mind, with palliative care, you have patients that are still getting chemo, that are still getting treatment. They might have a prognosis of six months or less, but they want to fight. And that is their right, correct? And the reality is, is the hospice philosophy is not to provide those, you know, that type of treatment. Now, if it's, let's say it's fluids or hydration, that's completely different because that's for comfort purposes. It's not going to make, obviously, someone, you know, they'll make, they'll feel better, right? But the whole goal with palliative is to manage the symptoms for someone. So let's say you have someone that has congestive heart failure, for instance, and they're in and out of the hospital, but they are not quite hospice appropriate, meaning they're not six months or less. This is the perfect program for them to be able to manage those symptoms with a physician and a nurse practitioner at home out of the hospital so that they're not going in and out of the hospital. Oh, fantastic. Well, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, for payment and how how really these services are covered could you explain a little bit of the differences between palliative care and hospice care and how, how do people typically pay for these services? Sure. So there's different variations with palliative care. The most common is billing Part B for their professional services, meaning that's how 
we bill for the nurse practitioner, for the physician, for the social worker. And then obviously there's a lot of Medicare Advantage plans, which now almost up to 50% of our population are on Medicare Advantage plans. Um, so those have some, what we call a carve out for, for palliative care and then private insurance and then Medicaid, which here in California, Medi-Cal also offers palliative care as well. And so that's on the palliative care side. I think I also wanted to mention that there are some agencies that have home health and hospice. And sometimes you'll see that they actually provide palliative care, but it might be through their home health license. So they're not truly a standalone palliative program, they're basically providing home health services. So just being aware of that, if making sure that they are providing the services that, you know, that the patient actually needs. On the hospice side, the payment is Medicare Part A. And Medicare Part A is what pays for hospice care and all the services that I mentioned, as far as the team, making sure that obviously, again, keeping them out of the hospital, keeping them comfortable, medications, durable medical equipment. So before that patient is actually discharged from the hospital, the hospice agency is delivering a bed, bedside commode, all those things right to the home or the assisted living or wherever they are. So that when that patient comes home, the family, all they need to do is be present with them. And all of that is covered through their Medicare Part A. Now, private insurance and Medicaid also do pay for hospice services. Oh, that's fantastic to know because... It's such amazing service to make sure that patients and families can really take advantage of. I agree. Yeah. So thinking of that, how can caregivers start the conversation about the support that they need you know, for their loved one to you know, make sure that they have not only the care that they need, but also to support their end of life wishes? I think advanced care planning is so important, especially when you have already a life-threatening illness, because so many times we find that we're waiting until a crisis hits. That is definitely not the time to try to talk to anyone about what your wishes are. And now you put into the mix, let's say the actual patient has dementia. So now we truly don't know what their wishes are. And we're trying to educate the public more. I think that's a lot of the challenges is that even with hospice agencies, home health agencies, we target hospitals, we target facilities, we educate we try to educate physicians, right? But we're missing one component. It's we need to get to the consumer, that it's their right to ask for hospice. Am I, is this time? And truly that is their benefit. They should have the right to be able to ask their physician, this is what they're thinking and have that conversation. But I cannot reiterate how important it is to really look at that advanced care planning and to have that in place, have things on the refrigerator so when that EMS comes into the home, they know that everything is posted and what the wishes are of that patient prior to them going into the hospital. And so that way there's not that stress about this end of life decision when you're under duress. Oh, Jackie, that is so important and such really great insight to make sure that advanced care planning is in place. What are some of the questions older adults and caregivers should ask their doctor? You mentioned a little bit about, you know, it's the right and their their choice to, you know, request hospice care and also to think about palliative care. So what are some of the, the questions that one should ask if it's appropriate for their condition? So I think really starting from the from the beginning and asking them, do you think it's time to consider hospice? Do you think it's time to consider palliative care? 
why or why not? And being able to go from there, what will hospice or palliative care offer me that you cannot? Because this is where I think a lot of the challenges are. And I talk to physicians all the time and I tell them, your patients need to hear it from you. They need to hear it from you. And I think that's where sometimes we were very challenged because it shouldn't be us. Yes, my nurses and physicians, are, are they understand hospice, but they shouldn't always be the ones that are driving that. They know the patient. They've had that patient sometimes 20, 25 years. And many times I've had what we call an explanation of benefits and I'm sitting in front of a family and they're staring at me clearly because the doctor has not told them that they have a six months or less prognosis. And guess who's having to talk to them about that? The next question I think would be for me, I'm actually my mother's power of attorney. I've learned a lot in the last 15 years. Who will be in charge of the decisions that are made? Really, truly, that's why it's important to, to ask these questions, right? Because we want to empower the consumer that they should be in charge of their care. Where do you recommend I receive hospice or palliative care? Maybe being able to have a few agencies that they've worked with and that they trust. Do, do you think I need special equipment? What does that look like? What type of equipment? Because the physician has to write the orders for those. This is a big one. Will you still be involved in my care if I decide to get hospice services? And many physicians, when we call them to tell us they don't have the time, that they can't stay on as a primary physician, we share that with the family and obviously they understand. But I always, always, in, in the years that I've been in hospice, we always go back and we update the physician. We actually provide them updates on the patient and how they're doing. And especially when they pass away, we either bring a card, a sympathy card, so that they're aware and updated. What's the next step? Should I personally contact hospice and palliative services myself? Do you have a recommended list of providers, which typically they do? What is the cost for these services? I will tell you that many physicians probably can't answer that. <laughs> when it's okay. Well, that's why we're here to answer those questions, right? And then what if I sign up for palliative or hospice care and then change my mind? I tell families this all the time. This is your decision. We are here today. This says the explanation of benefits services, let's say maybe are starting today. The nurse is on her way. If you decide tomorrow that this is not what you want, then we'll come back. We'll do the rev revocation form. And you don't need to proceed. And you just know that hospice is always there for you or palliative care. Uh, that goes back to Jackie, what you're mentioning is just the whole patient choice. So Jackie, can you recommend some helpful resources for older adults and caregivers when they are looking to access and selecting a palliative care or hospice care provider? Absolutely. I would say my number one go-to, which I'm on this site a lot, is the nhpco.org. It stands for National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization, which is back east. We've, at all the agencies that I've been with, we've been, you know, really entrenched with them. I was on the board, did a lot of speaking engagements, and I feel that they really provide that education. Now, we have a lot of the what's called the sandwich generation. I'm the sandwich generation where you've got, you know, kids still at home and you're caring for an older adult, right? And Many times, if you are taking care of someone that has dementia, you might be up late at night. So you're on Google. You're like, how do I get resources? And so 
I feel NHPCO really gives you a lot of information that you can actually print out, that you can utilize, a chat box if you have questions. And then the second one is caregiving.org, and it goes into resources. And they also give you a lot of resources as well and, and who to connect with. Well, thank you, Jackie, for joining us today and sharing this important information about the differences between palliative care and hospice care and how both support older adults in meeting their care needs. I appreciate you being here today. I'm so grateful to share this information with you and your listeners. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jackie, for joining us today and sharing this important information. To view resources, show notes, and access more My Care Advisors episodes, visit mycareadvisors.com. You can also subscribe and listen to our podcast on your favorite app. I leave you with this quote from Muhammad Ali. Do not count the days, make the days count. Choose to be inspired to live the best life every day. Thank you for listening. We are grateful to be your guide.